Welcome to the podcast for the First United Methodist Church, located in Round Rock, Texas. This week, Pastor David Johnson talks to us about the woman at the well and the power of being known and seen. Pastor David also reminds us that being known and seen by God is also knowing and seeing God. There's something wonderful about two people looking eye to eye and having a connection. What it must have felt like that day for the Samaritan woman to be looking into the eyes of God, to be fully seen, to be fully known, to be fully loved by the God of the universe. When we're seen by God, everything changes. When we are fully seen and fully known, it heals us. It liberates us. It humbles us. It transforms our lives. Bring salvation. When Jesus sees who you are, we discover who Jesus is. Well, good morning. So, Brad, I think you've been here eight months now. And when you have a new leader, they they influence the church in certain ways, for the positive and for the negative. On the screen, I saw this woman wear an LSU shirt, and I saw someone walk in this morning with an LSU shirt. I think the fandom is growing here in Round Rock because of you, and so you all can take that as you will. Um, Starting in April, I'll be uh, leading a class on the ruthless elimination of hurry. I did it for a a guys group during lunchtime, and I think there should be a a little screen coming up with with that information on it. You can go to the church uh, website to sign up for that class. Or it's not gonna come up on the screen and you can go to the church still, go to the church website to sign up for that class. This week, I got nostalgic. I was planning a trip this weekend to go to Dallas. I got to see friends I hadn't seen before the pandemic. It was great to hang out with them. A lot of them were from a Sunday school group that I joined when I was at Highland Park Methodist. And this group was just such a gift because when you're in seminary and you hang out with other seminarians, we can be kind of weird. And so it was good to hang out with some normal people throughout, throughout the week. And they're the type of friends that if you haven't seen them in a long time, you can pick up where you left off. It seems like really no time has passed. And one of them invited me on a Friday night to go to the Stations of the Cross at a Catholic church. And we did the Lord's Prayer and I got it right without having to see it on the screen. I know that's a miracle for Pat and I. Brad gets it right all the time, but it was such a gift to be able to say the Lord's Prayer without having the notes in front of me. Also became really nostalgic for um, growing up in El Paso. When I was in middle school, the place to hang out was Sunland Park Mall. And at Sunland Park Mall was this beautiful mall with this pink tile everywhere, and they had these weird horses everywhere. And the thing to do in middle school was tell everybody, hey, we're going to hang out at the food court at this time. We get our hot dog on a stick and our orange Julius or our pizza, and life was golden. We'd go in and out the stores. We were in middle school. We would never buy anything, but it was just a place to hang out. But there was this one store I remember. It was like to the left of the food court, and they had these big pictures. I don't know. Are the screens working? No. Okay. The screens aren't working right now. And they would have these pictures on it. And it was called the magic eye. Do you remember the magic eye? You'd look at these weird convoluted pictures 
and you try to see this 3D image that would pop out. These 3D images would never work for me. I tried, I even probably stood on my head to try to make them work and they didn't quite work. But I have a history of missing things. So a couple Christmases ago, Taylor gave me a present. And it was this big, heavy package. I was like, wow, that is really thoughtful of you. But then I remember it was Taylor who gave me the gift. Taylor is our director of student ministry. And I opened up the gift and it was my diploma. For a couple months, his UMHB diploma had been hanging up in my office and I never noticed it. I just look past it. I was just so busy during the, the holiday season. I didn't even see it. On a side note, we may be looking for a new director of student ministry. So I need help seeing things. So I read the instructions for how the magic eye works. It says you're supposed to hold the image really close to your face till it's blurry. Then you pull back on this image and there's these like two dots. They're supposed to become three. And then bam, you see Saturn, you see a shark, you see whatever the image is. For the image to work, it has to become blurry. You have to look past it. You have to push it away from you. How many of us have felt like that in life with other people? That we're just looked past. We're just this blurry image in the distance for them. Sometimes it happens in a, in a fun way where you're in a crowd. I don't know if this has ever happened to you and you're waving and smiling because someone is waving and smiling at you, but they're waving for the person in, in the back of you. And there's that really awkward moment. Other times it's a little deeper. Maybe you're in a meeting and you come up with this great idea and you share it with the group and the boss just gives a little nod to it and then moves on with the meeting. And then a few moments later, they have this grand idea. It's the best idea ever. And it was the idea that you just shared and they claim it as their own. Or there's other times where life is just tough. It's a really hard season. You're broken down inside. You're, holy, you're barely holding on, but you're from the South. So you put a smile on like everything is okay. But you wish, you just wish someone could really see what's going on in your life. I have that with a couple of friends. No matter how hard I try to project, I put a mask on that everything is okay. When they see me, it's like, are you okay? What's really going on in your life? And I'm so grateful for those folks. Or you move into a new community and you see everybody's kind of gathered up in their group. They, they have their people. And it seems like you're on the outside looking in and you just wish you could be a part of that group. And you ask yourself, why don't they see what an awesome person I am? Why can't they let me in? This morning, I have a story about two women whose society just looked past. We find the first one at the very beginning in Genesis. We're all familiar with Abraham and Sarah. You know, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, left hand. Uh, that's like the only singing you'll get from me ever in this church. Um, but sometimes we forget the rest of the story before they were Abraham and Sarah, they were Abram and Sarai. God had made this promise to Abram that he would be the father of many nations. They would, numer they would equal to the number of the stars in the sky. But the promise didn't happen right away. Over the days, months, and years, and they become 
Abram and Sarai became agitated. Is this ever going to happen? We're, we're getting old. I don't think God's going to follow through. So Sarai says, why don't you get my maidservant Hagar pregnant? Hagar becomes pregnant and Sarah starts getting agitated at Sarai. So much so that she starts abusing Sarai. It starts abusing Hagar. And Hagar had had enough, starts running out in the middle of the desert. A pregnant slave left alone in the middle of the hot desert. She comes upon a spring and an angel of God meets her there. This representative of God starts having a conversation with Hagar. Hagar tells of all the struggles she has been through, all the pains, all the horrible situation. And Hagar does something unique here. Hagar gives God a name. She says, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. Hagar is the very first person in scripture to give God a name, Elroy, the God who sees me. I was talking about my sermon with my life group. And one of my friends says, when I was dating my boyfriend for three months, my mom asked me, what color are your boyfriend's eyes? And she says, well, she didn't know the color of her own boyfriend's eyes after three months of dating. So the next day she grabs him by the face looks him straight in the eye and sees his light blue eyes. Her boyfriend was seen for the very first time, seen in a powerful way. When was the last time you really looked at someone in the eyes and saw them? I mean, I had this question as I was thinking about it. Do I know my coworker's eye color? Do you know your coworker's eye colors? Do you know your wife's eye color? If you don't, you can take Pat and Monica's class. <laughs> In the New Testament, we find another woman, but she kind of chose not to be seen by society because probably society was shunning her at this moment. Jesus was hanging out by Jacob's well. They had traveled a long distance and the disciples had gone into town to get them lunch. It was the middle of the day. It was the hottest part of the day. And Jesus encounters this woman. This woman comes to the well at the hottest part of the day, which was unusual. Typically it was done early in the morning and the women would travel together. So Jesus asked this woman a question. Can I have a drink of water? It's hot, I'm thirsty. And this woman is really confused by this question. She says, how come you a Jew are asking me a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Samaritans and Jews didn't interact. They had this long history of conflict. Sometimes Jews would totally circumvent Samaria because they didn't want to even enter that town with their enemies. And first century readers would also be stunned by this interaction. A man and a woman were alone together. Not just a man, but a rabbi. There's stories that rabbis, when they were out in the public square and they would see single women walking around, they would close their eyes because they didn't want to even be tempted by that. They would close their eyes and continue their journey so they would bump against other people or even walls and they would get bruises for it. They took this really seriously. A single man and a single woman didn't ever interact with each other. And then Jesus says, well, if you know who I am, you'd be asking me for living water. Brad talked about how Nicodemus was taking Jesus pretty literally. And I think the woman is taking Jesus pretty literally at this moment too. See, living water was meant to be for rivers and streams. 
A lot of times these wells were connected to rivers or streams. But Jacob's well was dug really deep, so it got fed through groundwater. She says, how can you give me water? You don't even have a, a bucket. You don't have a way to get this water. And Jesus says, well, if you drink of the water that I have, you're never gonna be thirsty again. Of course, like any of us, this woman says, give me some of that water. I don't wanna have to keep coming to this well over and over again by myself at the hottest part of the day. Jesus says, hey, go get your husband. I'll, I'll tell you how this is done. And the woman replies, well, I don't have a husband. Jesus sees her and says, I know you don't have a husband. You've had five of them. And the sixth man you're with isn't even your husband. I wonder if this woman was a little taken back a bit because how could Jesus know her so deeply? A past she didn't want to reveal to anybody, a past that maybe the community she was in knew about but shunned her for. There's something powerful about being known. Being known matters. One of the best parts of my week is greeting at Council Oak Preschool with Brad. Sometimes there's this little boy, when he sees me, he'll bend down a little, point and say, I know you, I know you. I feel like a little celebrity. And I go down and I'll bend down and put his little hand on my shoulder and we'll have this little conversation. He's even invited me to go play Roblox with him. There's something wonderful about two people looking eye to eye and having a connection. The woman starts understanding there's something unusual about to happen. There's something different. This is not just a stranger by the well. This man is a prophet. He knows me so deeply. They continue to engage in this deep theological conversation. This is the only time, this is the longest conversation Jesus had with an individual in all of scripture. She says she is waiting for the Messiah. And Jesus says something really impactful at this moment. He says, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the very first I am statement in all of scripture. Jesus says, he is the Messiah. He is the savior. He's the one the world has been waiting for. He's the one who's going to bring transformation to the world. This is the only time also in scripture in the, the gospel of John where someone uses the word savior. And it's not a Jew, but it's an outsider. It's a foreigner, says, you are this savior. Hagar knew God saw her through an angel. Jesus saw this woman at the well and she found out who she was. I love this story. I have this little statue that I was given to by my parents. It was for my great grandmother. And it's a little picture of the, the woman at the well of the woman looking into the eyes of Jesus and Jesus looking into the eyes of the woman. My grandparents were, my great-grandparents were at a journey in the Middle East and they even brought some water from the Jordan for my baptism. And I look at it and I stare at this image and I wonder what it must have felt like that day for the Samaritan woman to be looking into the eyes of God and the eyes of God looking back at her. 
to be fully seen, be fully known, to be fully loved by the God of the universe. For her, it was so powerful that she brought this heavy jar to get her water for and left it there and starts running back to the city. Come see the man who knows all about me from the inside out. See, she wanted to be unseen. She wanted to be ignored, maybe because of what society had seen her as in the past. But now she becomes the very first evangelist, the one to proclaim that she has seen the great I am. There's power in being known. It's also interesting to go back to the rest of this story. And Jesus said she'd been married five times and now she's with a sixth man. Sometimes we look at through this lens of a woman of ill repute, but the Greek words really don't indicate it that way. And Jesus never says, go and sin no more. It doesn't mean that this woman got everything right in her life. None of us really ever do. But it also means maybe there's a cultural issues going on. See, women, if they were widows, they couldn't earn any money. They'd either move in with family members or beg. The only way this woman could have a decent life was to be married. Sometimes people are a lot more complicated than just words on a page. Jesus was also the seventh man in this scripture that she's having a conversation with. In scripture, seven meant this fullness or completeness. When the I am saw this woman eye to eye, she felt fully seen, fully known. When we're seen by God, everything changes. She no longer saw her past as something to hide, but to celebrate because she was known by God. When Jesus saw her, she found out who the Messiah was. When those in the Zulu culture greet each other, they say, Subano. Subano is more than just hello. It means I see you. I see all of you. I recognize your dignity of each and every person. I see the whole you, your experiences, your passions, your pains, the, the good parts of your life, the ugly parts of your life, your future, your strengths, your weaknesses. You are valuable to me. I fully see you and I fully know you. Subhanu is how Jesus saw the woman at the well that day. That transformed her life. When we are fully seen and fully known, it heals us. It liberates us. It humbles us. It transforms our lives. It brings salvation. That's why Jesus saw through the woman at the well so she would discover who the I am is. We're on this journey to the wondrous cross, this Lenten journey. And I wonder at the wondrous cross what Jesus saw as he hung there, as he hung there to, to die for our sins. What he saw what those in the crowd saw, the, the few disciples who were probably just the women at that point saw as he looked up at the man they loved that transformed their life. He saw who we are, warts and all, glory and all, and still showed his great love for us. Let us pray. God, we rejoice that you see us 
every part of our lives, those that we want to hide from the world, those that we shout to the world. You are a God who fully sees us. And when we see you, we discover you as the great Messiah, the salvation we all desperately hunger for. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's sermon series podcast from First United Methodist Church of Round Rock, Texas. For more information, you can find us online at fumc-rr.org or find us on social media at fumcrr.org.